Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo, and the first half of the 2017 NFL season is officially in the books, and the second half begins in earnest Thursday night as the Seahawks meet the Cardinals. And today, we are going to preview these Week 10 matchups, plus the playoff race going forward with our good friend, Hal Bent of MusketFire.com, Cover32.com, and Scout Media. What's up, pal? How you doing? I'm doing great, David. Excited for another week of football, for sure. Uh, same here, and uh, we are uh, halfway through already. It's surprising, but uh, we still have a lot of football left to go and a lot of uh, intriguing uh, divisional races and wildcard playoff races likely taking shape in the weeks ahead. Uh, but before we get, get to that, uh, let's uh, talk about Week 9. Uh, what were your biggest takeaways from Week 9, Hal? Well, just like you were saying, it was halfway. it took halfway to the season, but we're finally starting to see some of the pretenders shaked out and we're going to see the contenders rising up at last and you know it looks like you know we can say hey jacksonville they're for real dallas is on the upswing the chiefs after their hot start are returning back to earth the tennessee titans are still alive the raiders are back it's it's going to be an exciting second half of football here, like you had intimated. And and that was the biggest thing I got from last week is, you know, we finally have the haves and the have-nots heading into the second half of the season. It definitely is looking that way. And uh, another major takeaway from uh, week nine for me was Kirk Cousins. How he engineered that last-second drive in Seattle in that hostile environment with his offensive line absolutely depleted after Russell Wilson uh, puts together another go-ahead drive late in the fourth quarter, Cousins answers back and it, it, with a flawless, flawless, flawless execution of a drive, uh, I, I like 80-some yards, 75-some yards, and it was uh, it was just uh, amazing to watch. And that virtually guarantees that Kirk Cousins will become the highest paid player in the NFL, especially if he hits the free agent market. And that game will be exhibit A on his resume. Exactly. And nobody's going to remember that Richard Sherman was hurt, that Earl Thomas was hurt. You know, I think that's little tiny reason how he got it done. But, you know, that Seattle Seahawks defense, like you indicated, was swarming him all game long, six sacks and just hitting him relentlessly. And to be able to hold on and to pull that out at the end was just, a you know, one of those fantastic finish games that, you know, just makes the NFL so great week after week. Most certainly does. And hopefully there are more matchups like that on tap for this weekend. And uh, let's talk about the divisional races now. Uh, when you look at the current division leaders, which current division leaders would you say are locks to win their division? When I look at it, I see in the AFC, I have three locks, actually. I still think the Chiefs are more likely than not to win the a AFC West. Yes, they've come back down to earth a bit, but I think uh, Andy Reid will get it figured out and they'll be good enough to win the division and uh, make the playoffs. Uh, the Patriots are still a lock, in my opinion, to win the AFC East because I expect their offense to catch up to their improved defense in the weeks ahead, and they'll definitely be playing their best football by December, as they always do. And I just see nobody in the AFC North challenging the Steelers. So I got three locks in the AFC, and the only division winner lock I would I have in the NFC right now, I'd say, is Philadelphia. But after that, that's it. I am um, not 100% sold that the Vikings can withstand the Lions. Uh, that division race 
is likely to get closer, especially with the Vikings' uh, difficult schedule coming up in the second half of the season. And obviously the Rams and Seahawks, it's pretty much a coin flip right now. Like, who, who do you trust more? Um, that that could go all the way to Week 17. And uh, the uh, Panthers are uh, are very quietly um, uh, just a, a, a full game in, in theory behind the Saints, given the fact that the Saints have won the mat, the lone matchup so far this year between the two. So I... So to sum it up, I just I only have four locks: uh, Steelers, Patriots, Chiefs, and Eagles. What about you, Hal? Yeah, I mean, I definitely say the Steelers and Eagles appear to be locks, and you know, Dallas is still nipping at the Eagles' heels. But you know, the second half, I don't really see the Eagles falling off, uh, coming uh, crashing down to earth hard. Uh, the NFC West is going to be a great finish between. Um, Seattle and the Rams, that's going to be fantastic. New Orleans and Carolina should be duking it out the entire second half as well. Um, I like Detroit. I really love that offense. Um, but, boy, they are maddeningly inconsistent. And I don't know if they can catch up to the Vikings. But um, the Vikings are on the verge of a lock. But they've just had, you know, too many losses. I don't know if you can count on Teddy Bridgewater coming back in the second half and giving you a spark. Um, so that's a tough, that's a tough one for me to call a lock, but I'll definitely say the Steelers. I'll definitely say the Eagles. I want to say the Patriots. I just need to see a little more out of that defense to, you know, say, Hey, this is a lock for the East because that Buffalo defense has kept that team competitive and they're still nipping at their heels. And, the, um, and you got the Jets nipping at the Bills heels too. Exactly. The Jets and, and Miami, for as maddeningly inconsistent as they've been all season, are still at four and four. Um, so, you know, surprisingly, the AFC East has turned into, you know, record wise, the strongest division in the NFL right now, which is hard. Nobody predicted at the beginning of the season. Nobody predicted that at all, Hal. Everybody expected the Patriots to have the division essentially wrapped up by Thanksgiving, and unfortunately for them, it'll probably take a little bit longer. But they have uh, a nice uh, antidote uh, uh, this Sunday against that Broncos offense, uh, uh, especially uh, from a defensive perspective, so they should uh, probably get a shot in the arm uh, against my Broncos this Sunday. But uh, uh, who do you think is more likely to win their division in the divisions that we consider toss-ups right now? Who has the edge, Jaguars or Titans? I'm going to give the Jaguars the edge. They just have so much on defense. And as much as you hate to say any team with Blake Bortles at quarterback has is, is got the edge to, to win the division, I think with that running game, with that defense, Jacksonville has to have the edge. Tennessee is just too maddeningly inconsistent at offense. They can't figure out if they're a running team or if they're going to put it on Mariota's shoulders week in and week out. Yes, the Titans are definitely going to have to find an offensive identity in the second half of the season, but the good news for them is they beat the Jaguars in their first of two meetings this year in week two, but they'd meet again in week 17, and that game could very well decide who wins the division, but I agree. I believe the Jaguars is are a team built for December and January with that defense and ground game. It's old-school, smash-mouth, grandfather football that Tom Coughlin has brought back to Jacksonville along with Doug Marone, so I just like the Jaguars' chances uh, better than the Titans. I completely agree. Even though I predicted the Titans initially, I just... 
can't ignore the Jaguars. That defense is so special. They are only allowing 156 passing yards per game. That is more or less than the 2013 Seahawks and the 2015 Broncos. That's how special this defense is, and it'll probably be one for the record books if they make it to the Super Bowl, which isn't as much of a stretch as some people might think, because if the Broncos could do it um, with uh, declining Peyton Manning, if the Ravens could do it with Trent Dilfer in 2000, then the Jaguars, I believe, have the potential to do it with Blake Bortles if they make the right, um, push the right buttons, dare I say. Uh, we already talked about the Vikings or Lions. You say that the Vikings are uh, seem more likely to win the division because of their defense, but the Lions with their offense as great as their offense can be at times their red zone offense has been absolutely atrocious this year uh, so it's kind of like a toss-up right now even though the vikings have a two-game lead right now but that lead could uh, narrow um uh, pretty soon who do you got there yeah i'm still gonna go with the vikings over the the lions there um you know it is only a two-game lead but you know the Lions, like I said, that that inconsistency, those three-game losing streaks in the middle of the season, um, you know, they still got to play the Vikings. They've still got some tough matchups in the uh, second half as well, finishing up with the Packers, two games against that tough Bears defense. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, the Lions are going to build off that the momentum of that primetime Monday night win over the Packers last week or just like it looked like when they beat Minnesota earlier in the year and then turned around and lost three in a row. So you can't figure that team out. And until they have an identity and until they come together and gel, you know, it's just you, you can't put them over Minnesota at this point in my mind. Uh, most definitely. And uh, even though we don't know how Teddy Bridgewater will look like post-injury, he probably will not reach his pre-injury self this year if not ever, but if he could be an upgrade over Case Keenum, given what the Vikings have defensively and with their extraordinarily underrated wide receiving tandem with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, uh, that team could be a sneaky Super Bowl contender come January. Uh, Saints or Panthers here, and this one is pretty tough, actually. It is tough because you're looking at, you know, the Panthers have got that 2015 defensive look back to them. They're so strong on that side of the ball, so difficult to move the ball against in the passing game, running game. Um, what's killing them is that offense as well. You know, they haven't been able to run the ball this season. They're averaging as a team less than three yards a rush, um, you know, and like we talked last week, you know, trading away Kelvin Benjamin is a huge question mark on their offense because now you start talking about players like Brenton Burzin, Kalen Clay, Russell Shepard, and second-round draft pick Curtis Seal as the four receivers who were out on the field behind Devin Funches last week. And how do you predict that team to go to win the division and go far in the playoffs? It's you know, with that kind of offense, it's hard to see Carolina getting over the bump and defeating New and getting ahead of the Saints, despite the Saints having some tough games here in the second half of the season that might uh, knock their win total down a little bit. Yes, and one of those tough games is this weekend in Buffalo, and we're going to talk about that in a bit. Uh, but before we do, let's uh, preview uh, Seahawks-Rams. Like I alluded to in the beginning, this race could go down to the wire. You got the Rams of the best offense in the NFL, 
and the defense continues to get better every week with Wade Phillips at the helm and obviously led by the best in the business in Aaron Donald and the Seahawks with Russell Wilson playing some of his best football ever. And, uh, but the defense uh, that is getting a little long in the tooth, especially at the back end. Exactly that, you know, like we had talked about Richard Sherman is, um, you know, questionable to play on Thursday night already. You've got no Earl Thomas again, playing on Thursday night Um, as that defense breaks down on the second half, they need that pass rush up front. Um, You know, and there's been attrition over the past few years. That's what happens to teams who are winning, but you know, that offense with Russell Wilson, they have finally accepted this year that they are a passing offense. They're not a rushing offense anymore. Marshawn Lynch isn't walking through the doors uh, anytime soon. And they've put the offense in his, his hands, and it has paid off this year for the Seahawks. Uh, who do you think is more likely to win that division? I'm still leaning towards the Rams, even though they lost to Seattle earlier this season. I mean, that offense is just dynamic. The growth out of Jared Goff, I mean, he's on pace for 4,000 yards passing. Todd Gurley's on pace for 1,300 yards rushing. And they still haven't figured out what to do with Sammy Watkins. And if they get him going in the second half, you know, the number one offense in the NFL could improve. Tell me about it. Like, if they could get Sammy Watkins and Jared Goff's chemistry up to speed in the second half this year, it could go from a great offense to an elite offense. And that is saying a lot. And I definitely um, uh, would kind of give the edge to the Rams now, especially considering the fact that in their first meeting, uh, I would say the Rams kind of beat themselves a little more. Yes, the Seahawks defense played great that game, but the Rams just shot themselves in the foot and they moved the ball rather effectively. And if they avoid those mistakes in Seattle, they could win and and as a result, end up winning this division. And uh, we're going to get to the uh, week 10 games in a moment. But uh, before we do, is there any team, few or nobody are expecting to make the playoffs right now that you think will wind up playing in January and shock some people? You know, I, I still think Atlanta, the Falcons can get their act together. They're still a 500 team right now. Um, they could sneak into that last wild card spot and they could do a lot of damage in the playoffs. They're an experienced team. They had that run last season. Yes, they have a brutal second half schedule they're playing the cowboys this week they go to seattle they've still got the vikings to play the saints and panthers to play again but if they survive that gauntlet and sneak into the to the playoffs they could be dangerous um as a team that everyone right now is overlooking yeah the falcons uh could be in that picture if they get their act together, as you said, Hal, but Steve Sarkeesian doesn't make me confident they will. His play calling has been absolutely atrocious this year. Uh, and But a, a team that comes to mind uh, in that regard to me is Washington. What they did last week with an unhealthy offensive line uh, was on the road at Seattle, just added to my amazement to them. And plus their uh, defense has exceeded expectations they're playing very efficient football and once the offensive line gets healthy and Kirk Cousins uh, keeps on improving his chemistry with Josh Doxson and the other talented young weapons they have on offense there um, Washington could sneak in as a wild card what do you say Hal they could I mean they've 
got a tough schedule as well. They still have to play the Vikings and the Saints on the road in the second half. But, you know, that defense, if, if that defense gets themselves together and they can get some kind of running game on offense to take some pressure off of Cousins while this offensive line gets healthy, as you indicated, uh, they are definitely a team that could make a run in the second half. And, you know, an explosive quarterback in the postseason sometimes is all that takes to make that run to the Super Bowl. Case in point, Joe Flacco. And now let's focus on uh, these uh, Week 10 matchups, starting with a very intriguing matchup Sunday afternoon in Orchard Park, New York, as the New Orleans Saints travel to face the Buffalo Bills. And when you look at this game, uh, the thing that immediately strikes out to you is the defenses on both sides, uh, two of the best defenses in the league this year. Which defense would you say has the edge in this game and why? Well, I'm going to go with Buffalo. That defense, as great as it has been, it's it's fifth in the league in points allowed. But at home, they are even better. So um, they Buffalo's been undefeated at home so far this season. Um, and as great as that Saints defense has been, there's still a little matter of, you know, you still want to see a little more before you commit to that defense completely based on just how bad they've been the last couple of years. But it's been an amazing turnaround for the Saints. Um, But tough matchup on the road going to face the Bills defense. Most definitely, especially considering the fact that Sean McDermott is very familiar with the Saints, having been the Panthers' defensive coordinator for the past four years. He knows their tendencies inside and out, and I think he's going to have his guys 100% prepared to play on Sunday. And what do you think the Bills' offense could do to exploit the Saints' defense and vice versa? Well, what the Bills are going to have to do is run the football. So far this season, when they've rushed for over 100 yards, they're 4-0. When they rush for less than 100, they're 1-3. So they don't have a choice. They have to get the ball on the ground and grind out some yards against that tough Saints defense, which is, you know, been very effective against both the pass and the rush this year. And, you know, vice versa for the Saints, again, unless, you know, they can get... Um, a third wide receiver to make an impact. And I don't know if that's going to be Willie Sneed in the second half of the year or not. They're going to have to lean on their two backs, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, who have combined for almost 1400 yards from scrimmage so far this year. And they're going to have to somehow make that happen against that tough bills defense on Sunday. Much easier said than done. Who do you have winning this game, Hal and why? I think the saints offense, you know, a lot of times, it comes down to the quarterbacks and even outside in the cold, I still think Drew Brees is going to have just a little bit more of the edge over Tyrod Taylor and the bills. And I see the saints pulling out a hard fought 20 to 10 win on the road. I think it's going to be a very close, low scoring game as well, but I have the saints winning, although it's going to be even closer. I have it saints 20 bills 17 and moving on to the Sunday afternoon games, a huge game with, potential future playoff implications the Cowboys traveling to Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta to take on the Falcons but the uh, bigger headline um, facing the Cowboys uh, is tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern time when the uh, second circuit court of appeals a three-judge panel hears Ezekiel Elliott's appeal uh, to uh, ask for a injunction to stop his suspension until it plays out but 
the odds of Elliott winning that are a long shot, given the history of circuit courts leaning more towards uh, business and management than labor and workers. So let's assume they rule on Friday or if not Thursday night that Ezekiel Elliott can't get an injunction and therefore his six-game suspension starts this weekend. Let's assume he doesn't play. But as Dak Prescott proved to you, he is able to function without Zeke? No, he hasn't proved that yet. And it's going to be very, very interesting to see if he can, um, you know, get this offense going without Elliott. It is a huge drop-off um, in talent for the Cowboys losing Elliott. Um, they've already got Terrence William is bi- Williams is banged up, so they're sh- going to be probably short a wide receiver in that game to begin with. They underutilized Cole Beasley most of this season. I'm not sure how his role has disappeared after being such a major uh, impact on the offense last season and for seasons before. So they're going to have to get Beasley somehow involved uh, more in the intermediate routes, um, more a part of that offense, especially with Williams injured. And it's going to put a lot more weight on Dak Prescott and we're going to have to really see if he can step up without his security blanket of Ezekiel Elliott. Absolutely. And many analysts were uh, wondering uh, headed into the year whether Dak Prescott's play could stay at this level if he lost Ezekiel Elliott or one of the big offensive linemen the Cowboys have or Des Bryant. Uh, The situation was very perfect for Dak to grow up faster than the average rookie, but uh, playing without Zeke is easily going to be his biggest challenge so far in his young career. And yet, is, I think it's a big opportunity for him to prove to people that it wasn't just the, him being a beneficiary of the system. This is his uh, best opportunity to date to prove whatever remaining doubters he has wrong. And I think he can personally. And uh, But looking at this game in particular, what matchup do you think will decide who prevails on Sunday between these two teams? The biggest matchup I see here is can the Cowboys slow down Julio Jones? The Falcons, we talked about it last week. You know, I don't understand. You don't understand why they're not feeding their star receiver. We like Mohamed Sanu. We like Tyler Gabriel. But you've got the best wide receiver, arguably, in the NFL. I mean, put him in the top three. I don't care what order him, A.J. Green, Antonio Brown, um, Right now, those are the top three wide receivers, and Jones is just not being fed the football. So if they can take advantage of that, um, you know, occasionally inconsistent Cowboy secondary and feed the beast, the Falcons have a chance to pull off the upset. It's, you know, that's going to put a lot of pressure on the Cowboys if they get into a shootout, and especially if there's no Zeke Elliott there to grind out the clock and keep that Falcons offense off the field. Definitely. And who do you think wins? I'm still picking the Cowboys with or without Zeke Elliott. Um, I think, think that right now they're just playing so well that they you know they're gonna have that boost on offense and like you said you believe in Dak Prescott I'd like to believe in Dak Prescott as well Um, I love seeing the maturity the growth Um, I think he pulls it out 30 to 27 in a great game 
I like the Cowboys in this game, too, and I hope it's as great as the score as you predicted, Hal. I don't have a score predicted for this game at the moment because uh, it could go anywhere like between like 30 to 27 Cowboys to uh, the Cowboys, I think, could win by two two touchdowns, uh, given the way the Falcons uh, have been sputtering recently on offense. And that uh, the zenith of that was arguably last week when Julio Jones dropped that sure touchdown, so unlike him. And uh, he, once again, is Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBent01 and check his workout covering the Patriots in the NFL at MusketFire.com, Cover32.com, and Scout Media. But before we go, Hal, you know the drill. We do a rapid-fire segment, which we predict the remainder of the games for the week. And this is Week 10, and it starts tomorrow night with the Seahawks and Cardinals. Who do you got there? Um, I'm taking the Seahawks over the Cardinals 23 to 16. The Cardinals running game is two hit or miss with Adrian Peterson. They're due for another miss. Uh, yes. And if you look at the Cardinals, they might be four and four, but I think they're a worse team than their record indicates because those four wins have all come against teams that have worse records than they do at the moment. And, uh, I think the Seahawks get back on track this week, even without Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman, uh, Packers and bears. I'm picking the upset on this one. That Bears defense has sold me. I see them uh, taking out the Packers and Brent Hundley, 18 to 13. It's not an upset when you don't have Aaron Rodgers on the field. The Packers are absolutely <laughs> nothing without Aaron Rodgers. And I have the Bears in a similar ugly low scoring game of 20 to 16. Vikings and Redskins, playoff implications there. Who do you got? Boy, those Redskins looked so good last week. I love that Vikings defense, but Kirk Cousins is playing so well right now. Even with that depleted offensive line, I have them pulling out a close one, 23 to 17. Yeah, it was amazing what the Redskins did last week, but I'm not sure their depleted offensive line can handle an upgrade from the, de- the depleted Seahawks pass rush minus Cliff, Cliff Averill. And Dwight Freeney at 37 years old was giving them a hard time. And now they face Everson Griffin for crying out loud. And Everson Griffin is having a Von Miller, uh, Aaron Donald type season right now. And I just don't think that the bleed offensive line can handle Everson Griffin. And I think that is the difference of this game. And the Vikings win a close one, 19 to 17. Browns and Lions. This is an easy call. Lions. You got Lions too, I'm sure. Oh, oh, easy. 27-16 Lions should be an easy win over the hapless Browns. Steelers and Colts. You know, Colts have been playing fairly well, but, you know, that that locker room's falling apart right now. I think Chuck Pagano's on his way out. Um, Steelers should win fairly easily, 28-17. to 17. Absolutely. The Steelers, with that defense and the firepower and offense, no match for the Colts, even with Jacoby Brissett playing some very good football. Chargers-Jaguars could be another great defensive battle. Who do you got there? I'm still picking the Jaguars, even though Blake Bortles, I shudder inside a little bit every time. Um, you know, geez, I, I really wish I had seen the Jaguars with a healthy Allen Robinson this year instead of on injured reserve because he made such a difference to that offense. Um, but the Jaguars should still pull it out this week, 20 to 13. I have the Jaguars in that game as well. Bengals at Titans. Who do you got? Yeah, I, I really want to keep picking the Bengals, but, you know, every time I look at them, it seems like there's, you know, something that's slowing that team down. Um, the loss of Tyler Eifert, obviously, was huge for them. The rookie to injury, the, the injury to rookie John Ross has slowed down their offense as well. I'm taking the Titans 20-17 to 17 over the Bengals. 
I have the Titans by a very similar score in a very close game over the Bengals in Nashville. Jets at Buccaneers, the reunion between the former Buck, Josh McCown, who plays for the Jets, and the former Jet, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who will be quarterbacking the Bucks with Jameis Winston on the shelf. Who do you got? McCown versus Fitzpatrick. NFL excitement. Catch it. I can see the headline now. I think this is going to be a fascinating game. Um, both teams scoring, going up and down the field against each other. Jets pull it off 34-31. I have the Jets prevailing in that game too, but I don't see Tampa Bay putting up that many points, especially with Mike Evans suspended. And this game looked super, super intriguing a couple weeks ago until Deshaun Watson got hurt. Shame on you, football gods. Oh. Texans and Rams, who do you got? I have the Rams winning pretty easily. Who do you, you agree? I do, I do as well. You know, th- that offense is just, you know, uh, greatest show on turf right now. 37-17 uh, to 17 Rams over the uh, t- Texans. And I think Wade Phillips will just make life hell for Tom Savage and his minimal, if not uh, completely non-existent pocket movement. Uh, the race for the first overall pick in the 2018 draft, Giants and 49ers. Gulp, who do you have? Oh, yeah, I think the 49ers blow it here and uh, pull out the victory 16-13 to 13 as uh, head coach Ben McAdoo is uh, in the race with Chuck Pagano for first head coach to be fired uh, during the season. Oh, God, it was just reported today via Josina Anderson and friend of the show Ben Albright that Every player in that locker room hates Ben McAdoo, and they think he is uh, selfish, uh, above all things, was one of the words they used to describe him, is just an ugly, ugly, ugly scene there. And the 49ers, they're just young and injured and have Garoppolo alerting the playbook right now. But I just believe that the Giants' defense, like they did in Denver, turns out to be the difference here, and they pull out an ugly one by a score of 13-10. to 10. Patriots-Broncos... I'm a Broncos fan, but I have the Patriots winning this game super, super easily. I personally want the Broncos to lose out and get a top five pick. <laughs> well, Emmanuel Sanders being back is going to give a little bit of boost to that offense. And Denver's defense, they always play the Patriots tough. The Patriots always struggle in mile high. Uh, I think it's going to be a closer game, but you know the Patriots getting back Eric Rowe and Stephon Gilmore to add to that secondary should be a bit of a boost for them. I see them 24-16. Uh, I have the Patriots winning 31-3, to but we will see who is right next week. And concluding with the Monday night matchup for Week 10, the Dolphins traveling to Charlotte to take on the Panthers. Who do you got? I just don't believe in Jay Cutler. I know he had a, his probably best game of the season versus Oakland, who just ran out a zone against him and let him pick it apart with short passes. Um the Dolphins have a 63-point negative differential right now. This team shouldn't be 4-4. Four and four. They should be 2-6. and six. I see the Panthers uh, pulling out the win fairly easily, 27-17. to 17. I completely agree. And those dump-offs to Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams that worked wonders last week against that Raiders linebacking core will not have a shot against Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, and Shaq Thompson. Thank you very much once again, Hal, for joining us. You are a complete asset to this program and we definitely look forward to having you back on next week always glad to be here david i appreciate it and uh i'm humbled to be on with you every week i appreciate it thank you 
We appreciate you as well, Hal, and you're welcome. And that is all for today here on Sports Crush with D-Crom. But as I alluded to, we'll be back next week with a preview of Week 11, so stay tuned. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. For Hal Bent, our producer Chris Broadhead, I'm David Cromwell saying so long, and of course, stay awesome.